I had the honor and the privilege of starting this off. And it's interesting because when you, when you begin a new month, the possibilities are endless. You could talk about anything within that boundary. So I had some ideas, my own ideas, and boy, were they good. And I couldn't get any peace. You never know what, that, what I mean when I say that. I couldn't get any peace about the direction I wanted to go. So finally, the Lord showed me a picture, and it was of myself. And I was running, running, running. I had my hands full of things. I kept dropping them. I'd stop and pick them up. And I, the Lord just said, Crystal, stop. Just stop. Put everything down and wait. So I'm like, oh, that's the thing I like to do least because of my personality. But I did. I was obedient. I just stopped and waited. So in a couple of days, he gave me the topic for this morning. And it's not one. Guess what? It wasn't on my list of topics to talk about because this is not the thing that I want to talk about. But yet, I'm going to be obedient. And we're going to talk about depression this morning. Yay! Yay! That's how I felt, too. It's like, oh, man. But walking with God when your soul is downcast. Now, if you, if you score through the Bible, you will not find the word depression. You will find the word downcast. And our soul, of course, we understand to mean our will and our emotions and our mind. So how do we walk with God? when we are depressed, when our mind, our will, and our emotions are downcast. So we're going to talk about that today. God's love for us during this time, what he requires of us during this time, and his mighty, mighty help for us during this time. Amen? So if you are someone that, I'll use the word struggle, because we're going to talk about battling today. If you are someone that struggles or battles against depression, as I do in certain situations, certain specific situations. If you're someone that it, you feel like it's a cloud that has just kind of settled over you, and you can't seem to shake it. You wake up, and everyone else is happy. They're glad to see the sun. They wake up with a smile and a song, but not you. I want to talk to you this morning, and I want to share God's love with you this morning. Because there is hope and there is help. So walking with God when your soul is downcast. We'll start with our favorite guy, Job. Everyone's favorite man, Job. The go-to when we're all in trouble and problems. Darkness comes upon them in the daytime. At noon, they grope as in the night. For me, I, I see it as, you know, right before daylight saving time ends, or right before you switch the time, there's less and less daylight. And you go out and you have fun, but you know that there's a time coming when you're going to have just that little bit of light. And that's how depression is with some people. Now, this is a huge topic, and certainly not one that I can even scratch the surface of in 25 minutes. So we're going to just hit along the tops of a few important points, things that I believe are essential to know when we're battling, as Winston Churchill called it, this black dog. This is what he called it. The man that said, I have this little plaque on my refrigerator, the one that said, never, 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 ever give up. This is the man that said, I wrestle with depression. So, on that happy note, let's keep going. Now, I'm, I'm using King David, but there are many examples I could have used from Scripture. But we know a lot of the prophets 
went from high highs to low lows, and, and many of them uh, said, God, just kill me. Just go ahead and we just get it over with and kill me in my life. Slay me. And that's how they wanted to handle it. But God never did that. God took them through. God used their lives, their gifts and their abilities in a powerful way like he wants to do with us. So he says, now I've condensed a few verses together. I haven't cut and pasted and repeated. This is him going over and over, saying the same thing over and over again. I love it. He goes, why am I discouraged? And that's one of the synonyms of depression, discouragement, loss, sadness, heaviness. Why am I discouraged? And indeed, why would King David be discouraged? He had all the wealth he needed. He had... Unfortunately, all the women he could ever hope for, that was, remember, that was, don't get any big ideas, guys. This was the Old Testament. This is back before. We're not doing that today. He had everything that you could think you would want to make you feel happy and satisfied. So he's like, the, he asked the honest question, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. He knew the answer, but getting around to it, I will praise him again, my Savior, my God. Now I am deeply discouraged, but I will remember you. I hear the tumult of the raging seas as your waves and surging tides sweep over me. But each day, the Lord pours out his unfailing love upon me. And through each night, I sing his song, praying to God who gives me life. So why am I so discouraged? Why am I so discouraged? I have a job. I have a, a, a husband, a wife who loves me. I have good health. I live in a country where I don't have to fear. Why is my heart sad? Why? But I will praise him. I will put my hope in God. And I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. God designed our bodies to be able to take the weight of sadness and grieving, even things like anger, fear. But when this goes on over time, we were not designed to carry that heaviness over long periods of time. Or when we have anger and we don't figure out how to resolve it, or when we turn it inside, or when we haven't figured out how to make amends, that causes a heaviness in our heart. When we have fears that we can't reconcile, that we can't face and conquer, when we have stress that we haven't figured out how to make it part, how to work for us rather than us be defeated by it, that causes our heart to become heavy. We weren't designed to carry that burden. Depression, do I kind of condensed it down since for time? It's an emotional heaviness that weighs down our heart. That weighs down our heart. You feel no joy. The things that make other people smile, you take no pleasure in them. It's a heaviness. Now, I've, for time's sake, I've come up with three battlefronts that we need to battle, struggle against, and this idea, this thought of depression. 
we'll go through those because I think that if we can wrestle our way through these things, we'll begin to see a light and a hope at the end of the tunnel. The first battle that I believe we need to fight is the relationship front. And I've had put it, the struggle to stay connected during times of despair. The very first thing I want to do when I have those times, and I have them, mine are usually related to relationships. I have, there's other things we're going to talk about, but mine usually are related to relationships. The very first thing I want to do, the very first thing we're going to see King David wanted to do, and others, is just disconnect. Just be isolated. I want to pull the covers over my head. I don't want to go out. I don't want to take any phone calls. I don't want to give any texts. I just want to be by myself. Just let me be alone. Just quit bothering me. And it's a struggle, and it's a battle to stay connected when we feel this sadness and this heaviness called depression. Very quickly, depression is an ancient problem. It's not a 21st century phenomenon. It's not because the stress of this century is greater, although it is, of other centuries. This has been around forever. It's a universal problem. It's just not an American problem. It's a universal, it's a worldwide problem, and it's a people problem. I'm going to list a couple of people that you will know that have struggled. Now, not just someone that had a fleeting thought, oh, gee, I feel blue today. No, they struggled and they battled to accomplish what God had for their life, even though their emotions were screaming at them to stay home, to bury yourself, to not be involved, to not let anyone be involved with you. Let me read you some of the names. Um, most of the, us older ones know who Buzz Aldrin was, Apollo 11. He actually wrote a book or two, and he talked about his battle, his strong battle against depression. He also had alcoholism. Y'all know who Terry Bradshaw is. Even I know who Terry Bradshaw is, and he's been very public about his lifelong fight with depression. Abraham Lincoln, my favorite president, the things that he accomplished in the state of mind he was in is nothing short of miraculous. Mozart, I already mentioned Winston Churchill, Isaac Newton, Mark Twain, Emily Dickinson, the list goes on and on and on of people. It's not, it's not unusual. You're not alone. You're not alone. And people that have struggled with it more than I have accomplished greater things because they knew how to work through it, how to move past it, how to not let it define them. I want to focus on a quote by Charles Spurgeon. Most of us know he was a prolific soul winner, a giant of the faith. And most of you did not know his great battle with depression. It was the supreme battle of his life was depression. Let me read you this quote. Before any great achievement, some major depression usually comes upon me. Such was the case when I first became pastor in London. Remember, he had that huge tabernacle in downtown London, but tremendous ministry. My success appalled me. And I thought of the career which seemed to open up so far from me, lading me, cast me down to the very lowest steps, until I uttered my misery and found no room for Gloria in Excelsis. Who was I that I should be needed to lead such a great 
multitude. I would rather go to a village of obscurity or immigrate to America, don't you wish you had of immigrated to America, and find a solitary nest in the backwoods where I might be sufficient for the things that are demanded of me. He's saying, no, I don't need to go and live where nobody's around so that I can do the things that I feel like God's saying for me to do. I want to be away from people when this darkness descends on me. I want to be alone. It was just then, when the curtain began to rise upon my life's work, that depression set in. And the Lord was preparing me for a larger blessing in my ministry. I want you to remember that thought. The Lord is preparing you, yes, you that struggle with getting out of bed some mornings. You that have to tell yourself over and over, I am loved. I am worthy. I do matter. God will use this battle you are engaged in for his glory, for a greater purpose. Let's continue. The second front that I see that we have to engage when we're thinking, feeling, and living through depression is the mind game battle. And I said the struggle to align our thoughts and our words with truth is so important. The struggle, the battle to align our thoughts and our words with not how we feel, but with the truth that God has declared in his word. Look at Psalms. This is David, a man who was beloved. Women were throwing babies in the air. He had his, even his soldiers loved him. They would go to the death for him. He was so beloved. And what does he say? I look to my right and I see no one is concerned for me. When you are in the depths, one scripture will say the, the pit of despair. The thought that you have is no one cares about me. No one even knows I'm alive. No one cares if I die. No one cares if I live. No one cares about me. And that is not the truth. And our battle is to align those thoughts up with the truth. He goes on to say, I have no refuge. I've got no place I can go to be safe. I, no one cares for my life. Is that the truth? Was that the truth in his life? No, it wasn't the truth, but that was the thought he was telling himself. And that became true for him. He was speaking those words out. My portion, though, he catches himself and says, my portion in the land of the living. You are my refuge. He goes on to say, my heart is sick, withered like grass. I have lost my appetite. I don't know if I can say this on, on camera, but an unintended blessing, an unintended side of, yes. Because of my groaning, I am reduced to skin and bones. I'm like an owl in the desert, like a, like a little owl in far off wilderness. Now look at the two places he's talking about here. He's in it, talking about a desert. I want to be in the desert. 
Are there a lot of, are there a ton of people living in the desert? Do you see big cities and I want to be alone. Like a little owl in the far off, not just the wilderness. Wilderness by definition means you're out in the middle of nowhere, right? He says a far off wilderness. I want to be so far away that I cannot be found. I want to be alone. And he's telling himself these thoughts. The people who struggle in the darkness of depression have difficulty seeing any good, any good in their lives, especially any good in themselves. They have trouble seeing any good. So what they tell themselves and what they say is affecting their emotions. So let me ask you three questions. I'm going to ask you three questions, and I'm going to give you an example, just one sample of truth. The question is, what do you think and say about yourself? Now, this is, you don't have to answer this out loud, but I want you to sincerely answer it to yourself. What do you think about yourself? What do you say about yourself? Do the things that you think and the things that you say does it align itself with God's truth or not? The battle and the struggle is here to align this and this with this. What does God's word say? In just one example, though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, and my covenant of peace will not be removed. That's truth spoken to your heart. The next question, what do you think and say about the situation you're in today? Right now, where you sit, what are you thinking about yourself? I just had a conversation with Rhonda before the service, and she has got some, some things that, that the enemy could really, really use some thoughts that are, things that are really happening. And I can imagine the enemy tormenting her with thoughts of her own worth, of her own situation. What does the Lord say in just one place? I can do, you can do everything through Christ who strengthens you. The battle to align yourself with that truth is real. What do you think and say about your future? I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to have the help I need. I'm not going to have the money I need. I'm not going to have the friendships I need. My marriage isn't going to last. What are you saying? What are you thinking? Just one scripture, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. They are plans to prosper you. But my mind is telling me I'm not going to have enough. My mind is telling me I don't even care anymore. I don't even care if my husband loves me. I don't even care if my kids don't call. I don't even care. 
But God says, I have a plan for you, and it's to prosper you. I don't care what you look like now. I don't care what your checkbook says. This is what I'm saying to you. I have a plan to prosper you. Not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. When we struggle and battle to align our thoughts with what he says is truth, we begin to see, we begin to see that little spark of light. The physical battle might be the hardest for some of you. For some of you, it's like, hey, I stay connected, I call. Doesn't do any good, but I call. I challenge all of us on our thought life and on the words that we speak when we're struggling in that time. But the physical battle is also very real. And I've put that as the struggle to make changes. God help us all in our health and our routine. Now, Kit, don't shout me down while I'm preaching back there. He's always, I'm always reading his blog about health and fitness, and he's always working out and going all these exotic places. I'm thinking, I don't know if I could keep up with him, but I will change my confession, sir. Yes. Changes in our routine and our health. Now, I've, I've listed those there. I'm not going to go into them one by one. You can all read them, but let me say, first of all, you need to be talking with the Lord about your situation like King David did. And the next thing is go see a doctor. He has provided all things that we need to live a life that pleases him. And doctors are a great resource that God's hand has given to us. Go see a doctor. Tell him what you're telling me. Tell him what you're telling God. And please get some help. Choices that I can make. One of the things that it's difficult when we are struggling in that cloud of depression is we feel like we have the ability, we've lost the ability to make a choice. I just can't, everything, my choice has been raw for me. I, I, don't, I can't make a choice. I, I can't make a decision. And that is not true. It might be a struggle to get up from that seated place, to turn the TV off, and to go out that door. It will be a struggle, but you do have the choice to make. You do have that choice. I've got some very practical things that, we can, that we'll just go over very briefly because we're going to do something here at the end. When I was studying this a couple years ago, I found something really, really interesting. Our mothers would be so proud of this statistic or this fact because it was talking about how living in a clean space, whether you we're talking about a room up in the attic or a spacious, you know, 5,000 square foot home, doesn't matter. They were talking, they were making the connection between a clean space, keeping things clean, uncluttered, wiped down, and our mental health, it was saying how important it is to pick up your clothes, to put things away, to sweep and wash your floors. And I thought, boy, wouldn't mothers be proud. That's what they've been telling us our whole life. Pick up your clothes, put your shoes away, wash your face, act as if. So simple. Avoid too much time watching TV. Why would that matter? I just want to veg out. I just, I don't want to think about anything. 
as the hours roll on. And as we've seen a whole season of whatever. And then the season two. Oh my gosh, two days have gone by. I've seen season one, season two. And then, see, there's three seasons of this. And before you know it, your whole week. We're inside, we're here. We're living in a fantasy. Hmm. Let's see what King David does. I waited patiently. That just, I have to stop right there. My husband knows that patience, I think it's the fruit of the Spirit, right, people? Is the thing that I battle to be patient. So just right there, I'm like, okay, Lord, you got me. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. Okay, it's been... It's been an hour. It's been, I prayed that yesterday, Lord. I, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. He turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. Thinking about mud and mire. That's messy. That's messy. Mire, it clings to you. You can't just wipe. It's not like a little piece of dirt. Mud and mire clings to you. It takes effort to get out of that and to clean yourself up. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me. We're talking about walking with God. Even when our soul is downcast, it says, he steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song. You can't go far listening to King David without knowing you're going to have to sing. And you're going to have to sing a song of praise to the one who created us. I am of praise to our God. One of my favorite scriptures, and would you stand with me please as we close. Job, most of us are familiar with Job and the trials he went through. I love this. Then, after all that I've gone through, then I would still have this consolation. My joy in unrelenting pain. And some of you think, man, I know exactly what he's saying. I feel like I have unrelenting pain. If I could actually feel something, I would describe it as unrelenting pain. But I would have this consolation. I have not denied the words of the Holy One. I have been found faithful. On those days where I didn't think I could get out of my room, I'm going to be faithful. On those days where I don't want to take a phone call, I'm going to be faithful. On those days when my mind is rolling and every thought in my head is, you are a loser. You are a loser. He says, I will be found faithful to the Holy One. Let's see what happened to Spurgeon. He said, depression forces me to go back to the promises of God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness. Here's what I found. God was preparing me for something greater. Sisters, And brothers, God is preparing us. Those of you that are walking through that sludge 
and you feel like, I just can't see any hope, God is preparing you for something greater. I don't see it. I don't see it. I don't see it. I don't feel it. But do I believe it? Can I take hold of that? The cloud is black before it breaks. It overshadows before it yields its deluge of mercy. God, we want mercy. I don't want to feel like this forever. I need your mercy. Depression has now become to me as a prophet in rough clothing. A John the Baptist heralding the near coming of my Lord's richer blessing for my life. It's coming. It's coming, sisters. It's coming. God's richer blessing for your life is coming. Even when God is silent, we can't hear his voice through the fog. He is working. He is working. He is working. And what you're feeling now, or what you're not feeling, what you seem to be unable to feel, will not be your future. It will not be your future. This is heralding something more for you and for your family. I would like those of you that struggle, that fight this good fight, to come forward. We're going to pray for you. And I, I felt during worship that I wanted Mark and Erica to come down front. We're going to pray specifically for you. But for everyone that struggles with this, I want you to come down. I just felt like we were supposed to pray for you all this morning. And if, if, if all of the leaders here will come, I want every person to have someone touching them, praying for them. Oh, girls, I'm glad you came down too. You didn't have to, but God is going to heal your hearts. He can do that. We don't need to be ashamed. We don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be isolated. We don't need to be confused. We need to trust in the unfailing love of the God who created us. Allow him to show you the things in our heart that are allowing these circumstances to cause us to feel weighted down and heavy and numb and dead inside. Um, Pastor Peter, I saw you. If you could come up and join me up on stage, sir. I'd like you to pray a, a, a special prayer for Mark and Erica. I believe that God has something special for them today.
Mark, you and I met us speak already and we, we talked and um, the one thing we talked about was how grateful we were that Jesus was both human and God. He was both man and God. Because the existence of him being both man and God is that he not only knows the Father, but he knows us too because we're human. And one of the hardest things when, um, when we walk with God is that oftentimes when we're trying to walk with a Father that we don't really know because he is God is that a separation comes between us and the Father because he's God and I'm human. How can he know me and how can I know him? And we talked about that's why Jesus is so great because he bridges the world of God and us. And I see, I see that Christ is actually becoming a best friend to you. And I don't know why, but this is a whole new realm that I feel God, and I don't know why my mother-in-law called me up to say this. I could have told you this just by yourself, right? <laughs> but now we're letting everybody else know that I believe that you will walk with Christ like, Jesus, like, like Peter walked on the mountain with Christ. That he became someone that Christ actually trusted and that you'll be made into a trusted person. It comes with a big crushing, as you know, but it means you become trusted and there's nothing that I am more envious and more jealous of and to just be trusted by Christ. Because when Christ trusts you, he brings you closer to the Father. So I bless you and your family right now in the name of Jesus, that you'll know how to step forward and be the bridge between the Father and between the human world. Father, for all of us that here are, that are broken, that can't feel your love, can't feel someone's friendship, Father, we're reaching out to you right now. We're asking that the light of your presence will break through that mist, that we'll feel the sun on our face again, and that we will yet praise you in the land of the living. We worship you this morning, God, and I pray for my brothers and sisters. May we all fight that good fight of faith to believe that something greater is coming. And what we're walking through with you right now, Father, is a foretaste that you are preparing us for something incredible. So, Father, we invite you to do your work in us. And we trust you, God. We trust you. I ask for a blessing on all my sisters and my brothers here this morning. For every family, for every marriage, for every student, for every young mother who's struggling to feel significant. For every father that is so tired. And he has to get up and go back to work for every mother that wonders if what she's doing will make a difference. 
God, I pray that you speak to each of us this week. We bless you. And no matter what, Father, we're going to praise you. And we're going to trust you. We're going to walk with you. And we're going to hold your hand. In Jesus' name, amen. Go and be blessed.